This is your host, Daniel Storm, and you're listening to the RPG Radio Show. If this is your first time listening, you can start at the episode titled Dawn, Epilogue, Part 1. These vignettes are meant to stand alone, though listening to the first season would provide heaps of context. To our returning listeners, welcome back to Sildum. What follows is the third and final part of the epilogue for our first season. Like our regular episodes, what you're about to hear is completely improvised and not scripted. Now, sit back and enjoy a performance from our talented guest. I'm Shannon Roby, and I play Sister Raina. Sister Raina, you drop over the other side of the wall that surrounds Timber Home and into the streets of the Timbers District. Rain hammers down around you as your tight-fitting armor is completely soaked. You start to glance up and down the street to see if anyone noticed you jump over the side. You notice the jewel-bright patches of windows, lights behind them. You know in some of the nicer districts of the city that a lot of the inns, taverns, and homes have actual stained glass, but here in the poorer parts of the city, you know that people paint their windows on the inside, and you can see the kind of different colored lights illuminating the street faintly as you glance up and down. You don't see anyone immediately, but you know that... There's probably a bit more activity a little further away from the orphanage uh, near some of the taverns, brothels, and uh, nearer to the docks. So you think it's probably a good idea to head in that direction. Okay. I will start heading in that direction and keeping an eye out for anybody that might be following me or watching me or anything like that. Absolutely. Go ahead and make a perception check as you're kind of glancing around yourself, seeing if anyone's following. 17. You don't notice anyone following you? Uh, are you trying to stay stealthy or yeah. are you are you trying yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead and make a stealth check for me as well. 23. So you are really kind of flitting from shadow to shadow like you had on your exit of the timber home, really trying to stay away from peering eyes, people who may be out smoking a pipe in the eaves of a building, trying to avoid some of the rain. You start to creep down darker alleyways, making your way closer to the docks, and you occasionally creep over a sleeping urchin or two who are sheltered under different piles of rubbish, crates, and makeshift shelters. As I pass by, I carry a little coin purse with me wherever I go, so maybe I can tuck a coin or something in as they're sleeping so they'll wake up so they can get something to eat. Absolutely. Go ahead and make a sleight of hand check for me. Ten. So one child, as you're slipping it into his half-open hand, he bolts awake. You can see that he's a half-orc, and his eyes blink in the darkness as he stares out from his shelter, barely catching a glimpse of you. Uh, He glances down into his hand and is startled as he sees the silver piece there. He wraps his fingers around it tightly and kind of just stares at you a little afraid. You know, wearing this dark armor um, and being soaked, I probably look really scary, but I will get down to his level and 
make eye contact and say very gently, that's for you for breakfast. And lunch and dinner for the next week. Thank you. Thank you, miss. Uh, 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 who are you? A friend. Find someone to share that with too, all right? Okay. All right. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Hicksness bless you. Be safe. As you move on down the alleyway, uh, you have a little bit more success being undiscovered by the urchins as you slip coins where you know they will probably find them, hopefully find them in the morning and hopefully find a, a good meal, maybe a, a dry place uh, to warm up for a bit after all this rain. You emerge into a district of the timbers after traveling through twisting warrens of dark alleyways. Uh, you emerge into a district of the timbers where you know there are many brothels, taverns. Uh, it's a bit brighter here. A lot of tavern doors are open. You can hear music spilling out from some of them. In the light of one of the doors, you can see a group of what look like young men, various races. You can see, uh, you can see what looks like a half-elf, a couple humans. Uh, they're all fairly young, maybe just a little too old to be at the orphanage. But one of them looks somewhat familiar to you. There's a fawn, and one of his horns is shorter than the other. His back is to you, but you notice this distinctly. He's dressed in a rough woolen tunic, and no trousers, as he's got kind of thick fur on his squat legs. But you recognize the shorter horn. There was a child who left the orphanage a couple years ago. He was always a troublemaker. You remember how he lost the tip of that horn in a particularly violent fight that you had to break up yourself um, with several other boys. But he is familiar to you, and while you were maybe the stern authoritarian figure, you think that maybe he might be able to give you some answers. You heard rumors that upon leaving the orphanage, he joined up with some of the gangs. And uh, while you were somewhat disappointed, you weren't all that surprised by uh, that turn of events. You remember his name was Drabo. You are crouched in an alley in a pool of darkness uh, just beyond where the light of this somewhat brighter uh, nightlife district is spilling in. You can see Drabo and his friends playing uh, what looks to be a dice game in the eaves of this tavern where they're able to stay out of the rain a bit. I kind of smile a little bit to myself and brace myself for the shock that he's probably about to feel because I don't know that he's ever seen me in my armor, but he would still recognize me though, right? Even though I'm wearing the armor. He most definitely would. Yeah, he most definitely would. I will approach where they are playing this, this dice game and just say, do you have room for one more? Drabo's head whips around. Uh, you almost hear a crick in his neck as he stares at your armor first. Um, you can see a flash of terror cross his face, and then he glances up and sees your face, and an even greater look of terror crosses his face as he says, 
Sis Sister Raina? What, what are you doing here? I, I didn't do nothing. I'm not even at the orphanage anymore. Trebo, 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 you're not in trouble. I'm not, I'm not here looking for you. It's just a happy coincidence that I happen to find you. Yeah, yeah, happy. Uh, happy. While you're having this brief conversation, his friends start to kind of slink away and down the alley uh, between this tavern and the one next door. Drabo kind of backs himself up against the wall, and as you step forward, you're able to get out of the rain as well into the eaves of this building. He is visibly shaken as he starts to collect the dice, uh, put them back into a little cup that he was using to uh, kind of shake and rattle them in. He says, You don't don't leave the orphanage much. Uh, What brings you out on on a night like this? Well, there's been... There's been a strange number of disappearances at the orphanage, and... I'm hoping that you might be able to help me. I want to find out where those children have gone. High sister doesn't seem to think it's a problem, but I think there's something more to the story. D- dis- disappearances? I, uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't anything about disappearances. I, uh, uh, I, I don't know anything. I, 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 I should get going. My, my buddies, uh, I think they, I, I was winning that hand. Trebo. I, I think they took my. And I look, I look at him in his eyes and say. If there's anything you know that can help me save these children, please. And I would like to... uh, Do I believe when he says he doesn't know anything? Make an insight check. I'll say with advantage. Natural 20. You don't even need it. You don't even need the advantage. (laughs) I don't need it. (laughs) You absolutely do not. You raised this young man and you are very certain that he is lying to you. Drabo, I know your tells. What do you know? You're not in trouble. I'm not going to turn you in or anything. You're not under my charge anymore. But I need to help these children. He looks down to his hooves and nods his head towards the alley that you came from, actually, and says, Come this way. I shouldn't even be talking to you out here. Come on. And he kind of rushes into just the shadow of the alley uh, where you just were. Okay, I follow him. As he starts to get soaked in the rain, he kind of hunches in on himself. He glances back to the tavern uh, where the door is open and you can still hear some raucous and body music coming out. It looks as though he's looking to see if anybody is looking out for him, but he doesn't seem to see anyone. And he says, all right, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly what's going on, but look, I, I know you probably won't be proud of me, but... But I joined the Dark Suns after, after, you know, you know, after school. I was never good with sums or, or, with, or with the reading or with the writing. I remember. Yeah, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of options for me. So I, I joined up with the Dark Suns. And listen, I'm not high level or anything. I, I just kind of, I'm, I'm a lookout, okay? I'm a lookout. And, and they told us that there might be some big groups of kids coming by on the way to warehouses at the docks and that if I was smart and wanted to keep my wits about me I would put this in my ears and you can see kind of this big blob of beeswax that he's got listen that's all I know like officially um 
but unofficially. Uh, they, they call her Strings. Strings. And, uh, well, well, they call her that because she plays the fiddle, but also because she can control people like puppets on strings. Have you ever met her? No, no, but I saw her once, and... And if it wasn't for this wax in my ears, I would have followed her. I see. Even muffled, it was the most beautiful song I ever heard, and there were kids, dozens of them, just walking along behind her, like, like it was nothing. Never seen anything like it. People around turned a blind eye. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's got to be magic. It's got to be. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's exactly what it sounds like, Trebo. Do you mind if I borrow some of that beeswax? Yeah, sure. Uh, he kind of pulls off a big lump of it and hands mm-hmm. it to you. Thank you. Now, what does she look like? Uh, see, that's the thing. It's so hard to say. Her hood was up. She was wearing this gray cloak, but it was almost like her edges were blurred. I could barely make her out. All right. But that fiddle, it stood out so much. It just drew all of my attention until she was just gone. I feel like my mind blanked for a few moments, and and then they were all just gone. I I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, Jobo. And you said that they're down by the docks... The warehouse is by the docks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest, not the best fighter. So, you know, they didn't pick me, but some of the bigger guys got hired to, uh, to, to be on a guard rotation outside one of the bigger warehouses down there. It's, uh, it's a warehouse owned by some, uh, some wine merchant. Fennin, I think, was the name. But that's... Uh, I don't know. That's, that's all I know. Uh... All right. Listen, uh, listen, I, I'm trying to be good, you know. I, I know I know. Hicksnose is looking down on me. Uh, I'm just trying to do the best I can, okay? I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying, you know, t- to eat. I'm just trying to eat. And, you know, I, I know the gangs aren't the I best. I reach out but- and, like, kind of cup his, cup his chin just gently and just say, I know you are. You were always so clever. And you're right. I don't particularly like that you've joined the Dark Sons, but... I am glad that you are taking care of yourself. And I'm also glad to see that you still have your other horn and haven't been in another scrap like you did when you lost the lost the other one. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you remember that? Uh, I barely do. <laughs> How could I forget? Yeah, um, well, uh, I, sh- I, should, I should get back because uh, if they see that I'm gone, you know, I'm a lookout. That's kind of my job. Right. Uh, I can't lose this job, so... Um, All right. Uh, Just be safe, and before you go, I'll I'll palm him a couple of coins. Continue to look after yourself, and if you ever need anything, you know where to find me. What? Oh, he looks down in his hand. What? Oh, Sister R, you're the best. Thanks. I, uh... <laughs> Thanks. Be safe. He kind of rushes back over to the eaves where he leans up against the wall out of the rain, and, uh starts kind of wringing some of the water out of his damp clothing, kind of glancing over at the alley, but a little bit losing sight of you as you drift back into the darkness. After your conversation with Drebo, um, you make your way stealthily towards 
the docks. Can I have you make another stealth check for me? Uh, 16. You stick to the shadows, and the majority of people who are out in the rain at this time of night are either fairly inebriated or very concerned with their own business. Uh, so you don't really draw much attention or stares as you continue to flit from shadow to shadow. Eventually, you make your way towards the warehouses at the docks, and here you find even fewer people. You know that during the day, this is a bustling center of activity where there's uh, many carters and porters and wagons moving through the streets, but now it's dark and quiet. Most of the warehouses don't have windows, but the ones that do, the windows are dark. With the exception of one, as you're creeping along, you do see one warehouse where um, you can see a faint flicker of candlelight coming from inside as you creep near the building. Go ahead and make another stealth check for me. Natural 20. 28. (laughs) You get fairly close when you hear uh, what sounds like the scraping of boots as these two large hulking figures in cloaks stride around the corner of the building and across the front of it that faces the water. After watching them for a few moments, it looks as though they're doing some sort of guard patrol. Okay, so this seems to be the place Drabo was talking about. They wouldn't be guarding something if there wasn't something inside to guard. As I'm looking at this warehouse and the guards that are patrolling it, I'm feeling anger is growing because if the children are in there and they're being, you know, held against their will, that just that is not something that is is sitting well with me and I'm not leaving until those those kids are free. So you watch the guards do a couple more rounds of this large warehouse, and it seems as though it takes them about a minute to a minute and a half to make their full circuit of the building as they're, they're kind of marching around the perimeter. Would there be a moment for me to slip inside a door or a window or something when they are around on the other side? Uh, go ahead and make a perception check to see if you can find a way into this warehouse. I kid you not, that is my third natural 20. 25. Holy crap. <laughs> well then, absolutely. There's a large stack of crates outside one of the walls, and this warehouse being one of the warehouses that has windows, you can see a window that's uh, slightly propped open that you think you could probably reach with a little bit of a run, a jump, uh, and then catching on to the lip of it. But... As you're examining this entrance, you start to hear the faintest sound of music, and it's just a high note every now and then. So you're not quite getting a full song, but you start to hear what sounds like a violin uh, or a fiddle playing somewhere in the distance, and with what you know, you're hazarding a guess that that music is coming from inside the warehouse. I will take the beeswax that Drabo gave me and I will tuck that into my ears, knowing that it's going to give me a slight disadvantage here because I'm not going to be able to hear where it's coming from or anybody approaching or anything like that. But better that than being overcome by whatever enchanting power there is of this fiddle. Looking very carefully, 
maybe taking one ear out just to see if I hear the guards and then stuffing it back in, I'll do the quick run and jump deftly up to the window. And when I'm up there, just slowly pull myself up to, to look inside. So go ahead and make a stealth check and an athletics or acrobatics check for me, whichever you prefer. All right, stealth first is a 22, and acrobatics is a 15. So it's not too hard for you to jump onto these crates and then catch the lip of the window, and you do so almost silently using your feet and your grip to pull yourself up the last little bit so you can get your head up and into this window. The world is somewhat muffled around you and you can hear your heart beating in your ears as you poke your head up. You can see a few guttering candles that provide enough illumination for you to barely make out a small semicircle of diminutive figures. It looks like there's a large group of kids sitting in front of a figure and you were a little confused, maybe didn't quite believe Drabo when he said that the figure was hard to make out, but something about what he said makes sense now. It seems as though the edges of this figure are blurred, as though they're hard to make out, and they're wearing a gray cloak, but it seems to almost shift and blur, and their form is almost indistinguishable. What is distinguishable is a black violin that the figure is playing, and even through the wax, you can catch a little bit of the song. So can I have you make a wisdom saving throw with advantage? 17. You are almost drawn in by this music, so much so that you pull yourself up over the lip of this window and drop down to the other side, but you shake it off just in time to not rush over and sit yourself down amidst this semicircle. So looking at the children that are sitting there, do these numbers seem to match the number of kids who are missing from the orphanage? They do, and you notice that there are even a few more than you knew of that are missing from the timber home. Uh, it looks like I have some darts in my inventory here. From where I am, would I be able to launch one at the figure who's playing and try and, like, distract her? Go ahead and make your attack roll, but do so with disadvantage, as the figure is so hard to fixate and focus on. Sixteen? A sixteen hits. Ah. As your dart lances into the shoulder of this figure, a jarring note emits from this black violin, and you take one point of psychic damage as even through your earplugs, through the beeswax, you can hear this note that kind of pierces into your mind. The figure looks up at you, cocks its head, pulls out the dart, looks down at it, and you can see as you've hit this figure, it appears as though they've stopped blurring as much, and you can finally pick up features. You can see that the figure is a middle-aged elven woman, much like yourself. Her skin is a dusky brown, and she has short braids that cascade over one shoulder, and she's wearing fine clothing. She's wearing a velvet tunic over some linen breeches, and her violin, as you kind of focus on it, it looks absolutely exquisite. It's from a wood that looks to be pure black, 
and you've never seen an instrument like it before. The figure glances down to the dart and then back up at you. She drops the dart and puts the violin back up under her chin and starts to play again furiously as she glances at you, and I need you to roll for initiative. To set the scene, there's uh, this semicircle of children, well over 30 of them, and they're still kind of sitting there entranced, kind of swaying with their eyes glazed over. All around this large warehouse, there are stacks and stacks of what you presume to be wine barrels. The figure in front of you has stopped blurring for the moment, and uh, you can make her out clearly as she glares at you from under her hood, bringing that violin up to her chin again and starting to play. What do you do? I'm going to take out another dart and try and chuck it into her shoulder again. She ducks under the dart, twirling away as she continues to kind of saw away at her violin. So I want to get right up to her and I want to try and sucker punch her right across the face. I'm trying to get her to stop playing and hopefully if she stops playing for long enough, the kids will come out of whatever trance they're in and have time to get away. So I'm just trying to distract her. She does manage to continue playing the violin. As she does so, she kind of reels from this punch that you've landed on her, and she kind of spins out of it, continuing to play. Uh, You can hear fury, absolute fury in her notes. Is there anything else you'd like to do for your turn? She reels, so I'm going to punch again, and then when she reels back the other way, try and roundhouse kick. Yeah, that's going to hit. That's a natural 19. So you land two more blows on her, and I'm going to do... couple more concentration checks. Natural 15, natural 19. She continues to play. She staggers back trying to regain her balance from these blows that you've landed on her. She kind of shakes her head a bit and you can see her focus for a moment and the cloak around her starts to blur again. Uh, So she's kind of difficult to make out and see. She takes a step back from you, which will elicit an opportunity attack. That's a natural one, so, no. She takes a step back from you, and some combination of this blurring cloak mixed with this discordant music that she's playing, you swing and absolutely miss wide as she dances back about 15 feet from you. You thought she was playing with intensity before, but she absolutely doubles down, and it looks like she's pouring every bit of malice and anger she feels towards you through the music that she's playing and despite the earplugs it starts to pierce into your mind and I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Mm, 11. So you take 12 points of psychic damage as this piercing music lances into you but you are able to shake off the worst effects of it Before I start hitting, I'm going to use my free action to shout at her and be like, what do you want with these children? Why do you have them here? And then I'm going to just continue to wail on her. Uh, 16. 16 hits. Excellent. Go ahead and roll for damage. You also notice that as you hit her, her cloak seems to stop blurring. 10 points of bludgeoning damage. You can see her face is bloodied. One of her eyes is swelling up, probably from that first haymaker that you landed. Uh, She actually breaks off her playing as she's staggering and limping there. She shouts out, seeming to call out to people that you cannot see. And suddenly you remember the two guards that were patrolling around the building. Faintly, you hear them shout back. She is 
going to take the edge of her cloak in one hand and you see her kind of raise it up and twirl it over herself. And as she does this pirouetting spin, she seems to vanish from yourself. <sighs> you search all over, even going so far as to pull the wax out of one of your ears, trying to see if you can see her, hear her, or get any sense of where she may have disappeared to, but you don't hear anything except for the thundering footsteps of two guards as they charge through the front door of this warehouse. They're about 60 feet away from you, and one of the guards seems to have noticed you as soon as he burst in through the door. Um, at this point, you've got this kind of semicircle of children between you and that door. And uh, you can see him level a crossbow at you, and he's going to take a shot. Okay. And that's a 12 to hit? Nope. So you easily duck and dodge this bolt as it comes towards you, actually using some plates on your lacquered armor to deflect it. Again, you've got this semicircle of dazed children who still look to be under the spell of this music that they were sitting here listening to. But there's two guards standing just at the entrance of the door, and the second one is raising a crossbow towards you as well. Frustrated that the kids are still entranced by this, but I need to, to take care of this first so that you know none of them get hurt. I will dash forward and get between both of them. And in quick succession, I'll actually do one kick to one and one kick to the other, kind of like windmilling it. Absolutely. Go ahead and make your attack roll. The first one is a 25. 25 most definitely hits. That is nine points of bludgeoning damage. For the second guard is 17. 17 hits. And that is another nine points of bludgeoning damage. So as you hit this first guard, delivering a solid kick to the side of his head, he crumples into a heap. The second guard looks afraid and looks like he's about to turn to run, but with a swift kick to his middle, you actually completely wind him, and as he's falling back, he cracks his head against the wall and sprawls completely unconscious at your feet. I want to immediately turn around and see if I can wake any of the kids up, all while keeping an eye out for strings. So I'll have you make a perception check. Dirty 20. You keep your head swiveling about you, removing one of those wads of beeswax that you had stuffed in your ear. Listening, focusing, doing your best to gaze around the room into every shadow, every corner. But the elusive fiddle player, this strings, appears to have gone completely. As you wander back over to this semicircle of children, it takes time. Feeling so much defeat weigh down upon you, you sit down in front of this semicircle, and like you have so many other times, you start to sing some of the nursery rhymes and some of the lullabies that you used to sing to them before bed. And while you don't have the purest singing voice, it's enough to carry a tune, and I'll have you make a performance check. All right, 17. You start to get more and more confident as your voice echoes around this warehouse. Once you get into your second and then the third song, you start to notice a definite change amongst the children arrayed in front of you. They start to blink and then glance around themselves and then 
down at themselves, and while their eyes are still somewhat glassy, they seem to be coming back to themselves, and by the time you reach your fourth and then fifth song, some of them are looking incredibly confused. Sister Raina? It's all right, Tilby, it's all right, it's all right. Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm here to help. Where are we? We're down by the docks. We're down by the docks. It's all right. How how did I... I'm not going to let anything happen to you. How, How did I get here? How did we get here? We'll deal with that later. Can I need you? I need you to help me. Can you help me? I have a job for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can okay. help. Okay. Okay. I need you to take the younger, the younger ones, and I need you to guide them back to the orphanage. Okay. Can you do that? By myself at night? I'll be right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I can do that. And she seems to gain more resolve as you heap encouragement onto her. And she starts to walk around the room, gathering a line of the younger children in the same formation that you're used to. Um, When you ever take the kids out into the city, they all start to hold hands with one another, forming a long chain. And uh, she says, you're not going to come with? I just want to check one thing. Go on. Okay. Uh, You see her clear a wide path around the two thugs that are in front of the door and uh, she's ushering everyone out making sure the last person gets out and she takes one last glance at you and then you see her rush forward to the front of the line and uh, lead them away towards where the orphanage is. Some of the kids are sniffling, crying, but they all seem to take some comfort in the calmness that you're showing Despite the rain outside, they all start heading back towards the orphanage. As I'm leaving the warehouse and we get outside, I want to look up onto the roof of the warehouse to see if I see anything. Make a perception check. 16. Two buildings down, you can see what looks like a blurred figure standing on one of the roofs, watching as you and the children walk away and as she notices you notice her she gives the briefest of head nods and then vanishes over the other side of the roof did she start playing she did not it looked like she was kind of jumping away headed in the opposite direction jumping over the rooftops I don't want to leave these kids out by themselves, so I'll still, I'll maintain a vigilant stare and see to it that the children are returned to their proper places of care. As you make your way back to the orphanage, the rain starts to let up a bit and the first rays of dawn light start to crest over the city, bathing it all in a light orange hue. The children are damp from this trek across the Timbers District, and while some of them are crying and they all look distressed, they all take comfort from your presence as you lead them back along the safest route that you know, back to the orphanage, and as you knock on the front gate, one of the perimeter guards, Jix, he's an older tabaxi, a lot of gray in his fur, You can see him peering through this kind of narrow arrow slit in the wall from the guard chambers, uh, where you know he stays. 
He takes a look at your armor and it looks like he's almost about to raise an alarm until he sees your face and then says, Sister Reyna, what are you doing out? It's been raining and are, are those the missing children? They are. Would you please inform the High Sister that I've located them successfully and that they've all been returned? Uh, absolutely. Uh, right away. You can hear some heavy bolts on the other side of the door being scraped back as he opens the door. You know he's always very good with the children and he's been very distressed since they went missing on his watch. Yeah. He has a slight tear in the corner of his eye and he says, Hicksnos, bless you, Reyna. I would have never forgiven myself if they wouldn't have been found. But the High Sister, she... She forbade us from going to look. I... I'll go rouse her now. She'll want to know about this development. Thank you. And I'll put a comforting hand on his shoulder and, and just kind of like give him an encouraging nod before he goes inside. As he rushes away to find the high sister, he starts to call out with absolute joy, suffusing every word, uh, shouting that Sister Reyna has returned the children who were lost. And you can see heads starting to poke out of shuttered windows. Children and sisters alike start to flood out through the main doors of the abbey, and there are tearful and joyful reunions as these frightened, damp children are reunited with their friends, the sisters that care for them, and have been returned home, safe and sound. And that's where we'll end the adventure, for now. This concludes Dawn, part one of book one of the RPG radio show, Join us next time for the beginning of Season 2. Making this show has been an absolute dream. We can't thank you, our listeners, enough for your support and encouragement as we tell this story. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your continued support. We make this production on a shoestring budget. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash rpgradioshow. If you don't have a ton of gold laying around, that's okay. There are other ways to support us that cost absolutely nothing. You can share the show with friends, and if you haven't written us a review on your favorite podcasting app, please take a few moments to do so. Reviews are incredibly helpful in helping us promote our show. We're doing not one, but two dice giveaways in conjunction with this episode release. Find us on Twitter for more information on how to enter at RPG Radio Show. A special thanks to Shannon Roby. If you'd like to know where you can hear more of her amazing work, check out the episode notes for links to her socials. Thanks again for listening, and we'll meet you next time in Sildum. <laughs>